show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Welcome if you are new here. What you are about to hear is a audio version of a astrology forecast that I shared to my YouTube channel, Sabrina Monarch, so you can also see it on video there. And this podcast is a place where I share both these forecasts as well as interview conversations with people that I find inspiring. This is Sabrina Monarch bringing you the astrology forecast for February 9th to 15th. I'm excited to be back. I've been sharing the forecast and written version, but I've been away from video for a couple of weeks, went on vacation, some things have been going on in my exact Saturn return, which has been great. Um, so yeah, I'm super happy to be back. And this week we have Mercury and Pluto joining up for the third time now that Mercury has stationed direct, they will be conjuncting Capricorn. And the Sun and Aquarius will square the lunar nodes in Taurus and Scorpio. And then we'll also have Mercury re-entering Aquarius. I'm thinking about this week's transits in the context of the medicine of the transiting North Node in Taurus. So that is getting to know our own essence deeply and moving toward value and away from addiction. So let's look at addiction energetically, not from a place of morality, right, but energetics. Addiction at a basic level is binding. It limits freedom in an attempt to feed something. We seek to get the experience we're addicted to and feel compulsively bound to keep coming back to that place. Even if we are resourced to feed the addiction, it doesn't feel good or contribute to a sense of self-esteem when we are in that kind of binding pattern. Over time, self-knowledge, self-esteem, and a deeper awareness of our inner reality and inner signals, and these are all Taurian things, can transform the patterns of addiction. The North Node in Taurus can open up a deeper interest in true value. So what is actually nourishing? Mercury-Pluto joining up in Capricorn may highlight some of our more addictive or compulsive mental patterns, where we scan for fear or threat because of some somatic wiring to do so, not because it's our true desire to live in fear. And as someone with Mercury-Pluto natally, I've found that I crave information that is alchemical. I love like high impact, brilliant, illuminating books. I love hearing things described I've never heard described before. I love podcasts and books and media that changes my life. And I love information that genuinely gives me life, like brings me alive. Understanding this sensation gives me a standard to aspire to and makes me not as vulnerable to going down rabbit holes or anxiety loops, not that I don't, but not as vulnerable to it, um, or giving my mind junk food in the form of imbibing manipulative content, you know, media that's really trying to like make you think a certain way. Um, 
you know, like being susceptible to being persuaded of things that aren't true, being kind of played on um, in the kind of like mercury trickster way. Um, the quality of intensity is present in either of the directions, you know, those high impact, magical sources of information that give you life and change your life and make you come alive, as well as those like going down some rabbit hole of watching weird videos and, you know, absorbing content that makes you anxious and not able to go to sleep, right? Like the intensity is present either way, but the value is drastically different. So Mercury, Pluto, I'm going to be talking about in more detail when I get to that transit, kind of where it's tapping into kind of a primal brain or a compulsive brain and getting more into that. Something I've learned about addiction over the years is that willpower or control are not ideal methods of curbing it. There's a deeper need, a deeper thing that wants to be fed, and there's a journey of discovering what is actually nourishing enough to break the cycle. So I don't think I've um, I'd have to really think and dig, but I'm not sure I've ever been successful at um, healing an addiction through willpower. Willpower is very hard with addiction. It's like I've had to kind of move toward things that were more nourishing as well as do kind of cathartic clearing activities, um, EFT tapping or kind of understand like a deeper emotional root of the situation. It hasn't just been, I decide, you know, to stop, you know, and then at some points though, after some things have been loosened up or more nourishment has been added to my system, I do gain the capacity to kind of have mental boundaries of like, I'm not going down that road or I'm not doing this thing anymore because I choose now, but finding that agency of choice um, can be a path, can be a journey sometimes. And then the sun in Aquarius squares the nodes, the lunar nodes, suggesting that our capacity for excitement and electricity, so that kind of like, you know, Aquarius relating to the nervous system, to systems, to kind of the higher mind, it's like the electrical currents of chills and, you know, stuff that we feel in the body in that way, um, that this is up for deeper integration, right? Like it's not just chills, but it's also feeling triggered or activated, those kind of electrical currents that we run. So do you know the difference between excitement rooted in addiction versus true excitement? Are you sensitive to the quiet whisper of inspiration and love yourself enough to let yourself have it? Love can be realized as a practice, as a verb. You know, I think about those follow your excitement teachings and how it's learning how to kind of tune inward for like what feels exciting and then going for it. And if our system is um, kind of attached to um, a form of excitement that's not actually true for us, but we're just kind of in that loop, then what we think is exciting may not be um, the most nourishing thing. So it also becomes a, um, a deeper process of like, what is coming from a place of nourishment, what's valuable and exciting. Something worth mentioning um, is that shame and addiction go hand in hand as a cycle. Um, when I've wanted to undo an addiction, it's also been really helpful to stop having shame about the pattern, to become increasingly neutral about it, you know, like there I am doing that thing again.
you know, there I am in the pattern. Oh, well, I guess my body is still into this, you know, like just letting it be. And then the less I feed it with shame, the easier it is to unravel it. Whereas if we're aware that we have a cycle and we find ourselves doing it and then we feel all this shame and we take ourselves down and then we want to like feed ourselves the thing again, it becomes this um, pattern where shame only feeds it. So Turian self-awareness, knowing our, our own essence and energy is to know all kinds of different parts of ourselves, spaces we hold acceptance, as well as places we don't really prefer. A deeper Taurian self-esteem allows for the unfolding of humanness and for imperfection. It is not complacency, but rather not making a huge deal or sensationalizing that which we don't really like. In doing that, we decrease our enmeshment to the pattern and create more freedom for change. And interestingly, one of the reasons we don't take the time to be with ourselves more deeply is because it can be painful to just be with ourselves without numbing or distraction. To work with Taurus is to step into the body, the mess, the viscera, and just really know it. Taurus is the mystery of internal orientation, the capacity of being rooted in our own agency and power. It is the anchor point in a storm, a mountain surrounded by wind. Do you know this part of you and can you begin a deeper dialogue with it? So I'm going to get into our week in more detail in a moment after a few announcements. One is that you can sign up for my mailing list. If you would like to receive these forecasts to your inbox every week, you can also find me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch. My astrology readings are currently open. If you'd like to get a natal chart consult with me, the link for that is below. And Meteorite is also beginning in March, and this is an advanced program for alumni of the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive. Um, I do consider as well applications from people who have a strong background in astrology. Um, Meteorite is a high-level program, a year long, about astrological embodiment, voice, and craft. So we go deeper into the foundation that we built in the intensive um, and the purpose, the service of the program is to really find your own voice in your practice as an astrologer. So we get deeper into some techniques, into transits, into lunar progressions, into composite and synastry. But we're also working with our own way of thinking as astrologers, like our own creativity, our own lens, integrating the craft with our actual essence and being. So really bringing ourselves to the material. Um, all of the material is taught live in a discussion way. We meet several times a month. And the class features projects that um, are designed by the students. The scope is your vision. Um, I've had in the last program, someone create a podcast, someone create a book, um, other people create poems and kind of like veneration activities to particular goddesses related to, you know, asteroids, like goddesses we can find in the chart. 
And there's really something incredibly magical about being in a group of creators. The way that I teach is inspired by some of my favorite grad school, my favorite college classes, where I was in communities of creatives where we all ended up becoming friends, um, where we were all really interested in each other's work. And I think that this naturally happens in spaces like this where we're engaged, we are given a lot of creative license to be ourselves and kind of step into our greatness, right? Like to cultivate something um, of our own creative, you know, addition to the space and to be witnessed in that. And so the projects are this kind of self-designed initiation, whether you're creating a body of work or stepping deeper into your professionalism as an astrologer, working with your brand, um, projects can be research, they can be academic, they can be creative, they can also be personal, like some kind of personal embodiment that you're working with, like your relationship with finances um, and abundance magic, or you're wanting to bring more ritual into your life. Like really the possibilities for the projects are endless. Meteorite was the most fun that I've had in astrological spaces. Um, probably ever. And I've enjoyed a lot, deeply enjoyed a lot of astrological spaces. There was a vibrant electricity, a magic, and just such a depth of creativity in this community. And I'm so excited to do it again as another year long journey. It's for people that are really wanting to step into a deeper layer of their astrological voice. Um, and even though we go so deep and there is kind of like a rigorous quality to the program. I've also designed it to be um, integratable, like not doing too much or going too fast, um, but genuinely kind of adding more astrological bandwidth and vision in our lives in a way that we can embody, bring down, reflect, um, exude in our personal lives and in our professional practices. So the application is going to be open until February 27th. The link is below to the course page, to the application and to a course catalog, which includes themes like the fixed signs, relationship astrology and whatnot, the particular things that we'll be getting into. Um, as well as information, logistics, etc. So if you've studied with me before, either in the last meteorite or in the intensive, I would love to have you again. And if you um, haven't studied with me before, but you have a lot of astrological background, um, if you're even a professional and whatnot, you can also apply. Um, I meet with everyone over a call to discuss the program and discuss your learning goals and whatnot. So all those links will be below and I'll get to the forecast now. So February 11th, 2022, Mercury in 27 degrees of Capricorn will be conjunct Pluto in 27 degrees of Capricorn, 6.04 a.m. Pacific. And this is the third Mercury-Pluto conjunction since Mercury passed over Pluto before stationing retrograde. So the first conjunction was December 30th, 2021. And then again, when Mercury was retrograde, January 28th um, of this year. And now for the last time direct, they are conjunct. 
So we've been talking about the transit a few times lately in the forecast. So I'm taking a different angle this time. And now we're kind of holding like the full kind of weight and juiciness of the whole Mercury retrograde cycle. So there's something about, you know, this direct Mercury that's kind of holding the potency of that whole transit. Um, so maybe there's been some theme that's unfo been unfolding in the last three weeks that is extra kind of up right now. The Mercury Pluto could correspond with our reptile brain, our survival brain, the part of us that is wired to defend and protect ourselves from threats, right? Which is useful and also a source of chronic unnecessary stress because our bodies are habituated to those patterns. A lot of the kind of recent kind of personal development world um, is kind of about nervous system healing. Like we could say nervous system regulating, um, but it's not just about coming to a state of calmness because there is also, um, I think of it more as like agility and nimbleness, like being able to enter into a necessary state of arousal or defense, um, when it's appropriate, right? So the opposite of being in a fawn or freeze response when it comes to those, you know, fight, flight, freeze kind of thing, um, to be able to respond accurately to the moment, as opposed to just being in a chemical flood of the experiences that we tend to run in our body that aren't necessarily relevant to the situation at hand. Right. So, um, there is a kind of tax or a toll from being chronically stressed, um, from feeling like we're being chased by a wild animal when we're just having a conversation with someone. Mercury Pluto brings together the messenger and the psychopomp, Mercury, with Hades, Pluto, the god of the underworld. Together this, with this reptile brain association, it could be possible that more of our conscious thoughts of late, so Mercury traveling between the realms, Mercury relating to the mind, um, could be revealing hidden recesses of the psyche so that more underworld realm such as when we interpret a threat in a situation from a reactive or fearful place and then we end up being incorrect and realizing we projected that fear onto the situation and then our fear mirrors back something about us when this type of content secret fears and wishes makes itself known and heard into dialogue um, conversation can both become very sticky and let in with complex or loaded topics or transformation can occur and care and intimacy can deepen, right? Like it's the difference between revealing to someone like your, your fears and having that person light up with, you know, the things come out and they're like, cool, now I can use this against you. Uh, now I have this like verbal thing to weaponize. Or when someone actually very tenderly takes that in and is on your team about it and cares and shows up in a way um, where the vulnerability, you know, a bridge is made in connection. So those are two very different situations. And a necessary factor in the situation to consider is trust. And trust is a very plutonic topic, um, as is betrayal of trust or self-betrayal. 
So Mercury, Pluto, and Capricorn specifically may be offering lessons around sober discernment when it comes to sharing information. And that includes whether we trust um, the other person to hold it, right? Or trusting ourselves to, to know that right? Because sometimes we have the feeling, but we don't listen. Um, and it ends up that we were right. And other times, you know, we play with that kind of boundary. And if we're overly boundaried, we work to kind of be more trusting or to loosen up. So it kind of depends where we're already oriented. Mercury Pluto can constellate as communications that do not match the subtext or undercurrent. So when someone says something but it doesn't seem true, or when we hear something coming out of our own mouths and think, maybe I don't actually mean that, or like that's not even true, as we hear ourselves saying it. Or we hear something, oh, sorry. So communications where the superficial layer and the undercurrent match end up having a more powerful magnetic quality to them. And where we feel the dissonance between what's being said and what's actually really felt beneath can be, um, it can create room for deeper curiosity and realignment. As in, you know, am I reading something that's not there? Or am I reading something that is there and I'm sniffing something in this situation? In terms of trust and boundaries, Mercury, Pluto, and Capricorn could bring up reflection on who we actually trust with our deeper or more privileged, um, you know, our deeper, more vulnerable thoughts, privileged information, and the like. I've grown to learn that most times I've been burned or betrayed, etc., by someone I had already been able to assess that risk in the situation, but overrode that due to other interests, like really wanting the connection to work out, seeing the best in them, um, wanting something, even thinking that if I just communicated well enough, it would be understood and I'd be shown up for in the way that I wanted. The list goes on, right? There's always some kind of hook. For me, being more accurate, becoming more accurate with how I extend or don't extend trust is tending to my side of the street. I think a lot of us know what it's like to kind of extend trust from a way that is self-abandoning, where, you know, we really, it's like we want to extend in that way, but we already know from the beginning that it's not the, the timing, you know, or it's not really appropriate um, and then feeling burned. And I think there's a lot of power in kind of coming back to the real rhythm of disclosure or the real rhythm of um, what's meant to be shared or how trust is meant to be extended as opposed to the kind of blown out, this is what I wish, you know, like I would just like it to be that way and then being burned um, at, you know, past the threshold of what was truly in range for the situation. So having right relationship with risk analysis and healthy trust and healthy distrust means being able to trust our own instincts and nervous system, noticing our own signals and knowing how to interpret our animal body. To be in this particular kind of discerning animal power, I find requires a purification process because this isn't how we have been conditioned to live, a lot of us. And by purification process, I'm not speaking of moral purity. I mean that intuition isn't clouded by anxiety. 
or impulse isn't clouded by traumatized reactivity or intelligent awareness of danger isn't clouded by paranoia and a system that is addicted to stress and anxiety. So you can see where I'm going here. A lot of times um, in kind of like ask me anything or like frequently asked questions, there's a, um, I don't know what you would call it, <laughs> like the category, but people will ask, how do you tell the difference between intuition and anxiety? And I think in the moment, it's not even the case by case isn't necessarily even as important as the foundational practice of knowing our own body signals um, and kind of having that internal barometer of the difference between anxiety um, and excitement, for example, and where we kind of have cultivated wisdom through experience and some trial and error, you know, mistakes and realignment around what does truth feel like in the body. The process of mental purification, so a very Mercury-Pluto theme, means that we learn and adapt skill sets that help us transform our minds and nervous systems. Positive thinking alone, for example, um, is a great practice to build, but it takes a lot of discipline if we don't have our bodies backing that up. Even though Mercury-Pluto is just a passing transit in the sky right now, we all could evolve and adapt through having a deeper and more intelligent relationship with our nervous systems. Certainly, it is an evolutionary skill that is being asked for in this time amid the stressors of living in a fast-paced global age of information. It's like, you know, back to that North Node in Taurus, it is a profound investment in the self to be in relationship with our nervous system. It is a filter through which we perceive and analyze um, and respond to pretty much everything in our experience. And then on Valentine's Day, February 14th, Mercury enters Aquarius, re-enters it, um, 1.53 p.m. Just an FYI, I didn't delineate that one. February 15th, 2022, the sun in 27 degrees of Aquarius will uh, square the lunar nodes in Scorpio, the south node, and Taurus, the north node, at 1.08 p.m. Pacific. And this is leading up to a full moon, February 16th where the sun and moon will form a grand fixed cross with the lunar nodes. And if you haven't already tuned in, I have a body of work going on the fixed signs, a workshop, which I'll link below, and several recent transmissions on the fixed signs on Magic of the Spheres podcast. I'm fascinated by the fixed signs because they hold so much compact energy in the form of blockage, stagnation, trauma, resistance, as well as power, creativity, abundance, and genius. I find these signs hold challenges around the tendency towards stagnation, as well as the codes for profound investment of life force energy, mutually enhancing exchanges of power, living free from addiction, clearing blockages around wealth and becoming fully receptive and available to financial reciprocity for the offering of one's gifts and passions, living in right relationship with the erotic and more like potent, packed, enduring, fixed energies, right? Poison and medicine, 
stagnation and like high frequency, like high voltage, like um, when those kind of particular blocks um, are unlocked, it's like so much power and um, energy inside of those spaces. So exploring the world dismantling and world building qualities of the fixed signs in practice will be one of the major themes for meteorite um, that's beginning again in March. So for the sun square the nodes, here are some thoughts, keeping in mind the fixed modality, um, but also just sun, sun square the nodes. So there may be a sense that our unique expression feels particularly up as something that we are reflecting on or feeling challenged by. So the sun square the nodes suggests that inherently that our radiant essence, the sun, is seeking deeper integration with our ego structures and emotional attachments So the lunar nodes, right? So how, how is there a kind of current um, friction between our actual essence, our full radiant essence and our ego, right? And where can they work together better? Or where does the ego work for the true essence? This challenge is felt in the way that people want to come out with their medicine or their offering, but fear the backlash from family members or community. Or someone wants to be more true to themselves in their expression, but they simply feel stuck, frozen, or overloaded at a nervous system level when they move toward that kind of visibility. So it feels like they just can't speak, like they feel locked up. There can be a tendency to get a little too blown out or overboard about the mental stories around why we are not allowed to be who we are. Insight and perspective ideally could be enlivening or necessarily sobering, helpful, a guide around alignment. Insight and perspective that colludes with the untended and non-alchemized fear or stress that lives in the body, not so insightful, not great perspective, right? It's, it's bound, it's locked, it's in collusion with. We all have forms of expression or ways of being that are easeful in our nervous systems and forms of expression and ways of beings that feel intense, get our heart rate up, or have us actually feel like we are literally dying. If we're simply beholden to this feedback of what feels okay, we may lack versatility or bandwidth for responding to life in creative ways that aren't just our set range of responses we've become egoically attached to and comfortable with in our nervous systems. And this is again where just that practice of self-knowledge, knowing our own energy can be so helpful because we begin to have the metric, the knowing of in this particular situation, I feel safe and comfortable, but in this situation, it's really an edge for me because I start to get my heart rate going up. I start to feel anxious. It scares me, right? Like that information is already gold in of itself because there is a sense of ownership of the situation. It's not that one thing is objectively easy and another thing is objectively difficult. It's that we personally have those experiences. So we know in our own system what's easy, what's available, what comes naturally already versus what is at the range or past the range. 
So it then becomes evolutionary to admit what is in range for us, what we are capable of without feeling overwhelmed and flooded, and then to take steps to expand that range without blasting way past the range and burning ourselves out. So when it comes to full expression, um, I'll give a few examples, a few personal examples of expanding range um, to illustrate what I'm talking about. So one was that I used to be really physically anxious um, after sending out these emails or these forecasts, you know, the publishing it on the website was one sensation, but sending it to the email list was a lot. Um, and I remember, you know, we're posting a Facebook status was also a lot. And then after that would happen, I would go through this whole nervous system activation of feeling all of this like energy, this new energy, this like intensity in my body, basically, and kind of, um, allowing, you know, working into this allowance of feeling safe, um, safe, letting my work come through me instead of getting in the way of it. And it was, um, it was this intense feeling like I was like going to die kind of thing. Like I can't send out these emails, but of course, you know, I wanted to, and it felt true for me to do so, but then I kind of had to digest what that actually felt like. Um, and this comes up for a lot of people when it comes to visibility on social media, it's a lot of nervous system attunement. Um, now sending out these emails is not highly sensational. Um, triggering lots of body responses for me. Honestly, though, coming back to YouTube after a few weeks away is <laughs> sensational for me. Um, but the practice of showing up consistently helped me recondition my nervous system around this act of public broadcasting. So it's interesting um, that kind of like exposure therapy or something, or just like doing the thing can be one way. Um, in other scenarios, the capacity to just like have courage and do the thing can override a deeper sense of timing. So I've worked with that one too. Another place of kind of like um, sensation was that after I started to feel like, okay, it's not highly sensational to send out emails um, to a mailing list why is having like a flirtatious conversation with someone in passing a high sensation, right? Um, anything gets to be high sensation. I don't want to live a life where I'm not excited about things anymore, but that sense of, you know, what's the, what's the edge? What's the thing to play with? Um, eye contact is a big one. Um, I'm pretty comfortable making eye contact in conversation. Um, Sometimes I notice talking with people that, you know, it's hard for them, right? Um, but working with eye contact and kind of noticing what situations did eye contact feel scary, right? Or feel like, oh, I think that person's really attractive and I'm too scared to look at them. But then by not looking or not, you know, creating that connection, not having an experience of getting to know someone, Right. And so noticing that 
because I had the kind of embodied fear or like, that's too much. I'm not open to that right now. It's like, it didn't allow for the possibility of that. And then to open back up to the situation of making eye contact where it felt scary and kind of, you know, let's say you're a people pleaser is another example. And you're, you know, it's not working for you anymore. You keep getting in situations you don't actually want to be in or overextending in ways you don't want. And then when you start to speak your truth and say no to things or tell people what you really think, you feel flooded with all of this anxiety because people pleasing has been a coping skill that has kept your nervous system at a level of peace, even if it's been inconvenient. Right. So the sense that who we are, our essence, sun and Aquarius has a lot to do with how free and expressive we feel as related to the chemical or kind of electrical triggers that we have when we just are being ourselves. Some situations, yeah, it's easy. I can do that thing without being too worried. Sure. I can be a public speaker or no public speaking is scary. Like, sure. I can talk to people that I've just met or like, no, it's really scary for me to do that. It's like we create the kind of parameters of our own freedom based on literally where we have a comfort and discomfort level. And the last thing that I want to say about this transit is that there are ways that just being a person and existing feels excruciating, um, not because it is inherently, but because we are just, we just feel ridiculous about it. Uh, who we are, you know, or not in full approval of it. This isn't my philosophy on things all the time that simply being is excruciating, but at some layer, like there is that of just like, this is weird. <laughs> like, it's so weird to be this specific being, like when we're in that kind of framework of like alienation around it. The sun in Aquarius integrating into the nodes in Taurus and Scorpio means developing the sturdiness in our bodies to be who we are. So opening and expanding to the sensations, right? Like sometimes it's weird to me that I just want to talk about really deep stuff or like the soul and like deep healing. Um, and that I publicly broadcast that on the internet, like sometimes, or like talk about my personal stories. Like it's weird if I look at it that way. <laughs> right. And it's also the thing that is coming through me. It's like my creative essence. Um, and so it's kind of working with that filter that wants to manicure it or get in the way of it versus letting it come out. Um, but so developing this sturdiness in our bodies to be who we are, expanding into the sensations of being who we are and owning the power of who we are, the power of being the unique creature that we are. We can have so many stories about why we're not good enough or other people are better and then start to feel disempowered and victimized by our very existence. So taking greater ownership of the narrative we have about ourselves can be a way that we step back into the throne of our personhood instead of exiling ourselves from that seat. So thinking about where it might be, where it's up for you, your self-expression, your essence, letting yourself um, transmit into reality as opposed to being dissociated or detached, but actually letting the energy that you are flow through your life and what parts of you kind of have to adjust to hold that experience with acceptance and with a sense of 
personal power, emotional courage, um, physical endurance. And I'm not speaking here of completely overriding your own system, you know, to do something brave and then have like a shame spiral after. I'm talking about like the steady opening of allowing your essence to flow through your life. And that that may be particularly up for a lot of us this week. So thank you for tuning in. Um, I'm so happy to be back on video. I um, have just had a couple of weeks um, with things going on, being on vacation, which was super fun and so um, just expansive and got me thinking so much about like what I desire in life um, and felt really affirming. So um, I'm feeling refreshed and nourished. I um, have applications, the links for Meteorite below. I'd love to hear from you. It's going to be an amazing experience. And I also have my booking links below. I forgot to mention earlier, for those of you watching, please like this video and leave a comment. Let me know how you're doing, what you resonated with, any thoughts that you have about these transits. I love hearing from you and I will be back soon.